Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. I typically like to share late-breaking research, but today I'll be covering a research paper that came out in May. It was published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. The title of this research paper is Effect of Orlistat on Live Birth Rate in Overweight or Obese Women Undergoing IVF-ET, a Randomized Clinical Trial. I chose this five-month-old article for a few reasons. One, while I've touched upon obesity here and there in other episodes, this topic truly deserves its own episode of coverage. Second reason, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, aka ASRM, recently came out with a new paper intending to help clinicians treat patients with obesity-related infertility, so the topic and the timing remain relevant. Third reason, this is drug-centric research, and I do love talking about drugs. Hopefully introducing the drug for a minute here will give context to the study. This drug is called Orlistat, and it is a weight loss drug that works by stopping enzymes in the stomach from absorbing fat that's coming in from the diet. It works differently from most other approved weight loss drugs that try to curb appetite. Orlistat is a capsule that's supposed to be taken three times a day with a meal that has fat in it. It is FDA approved and is available over the counter in the U.S. at a dose of 60 milligrams three times a day. For international listeners, Orlistat can be purchased without a prescription in the UK, the EU, and Australia. Taking Orlistat is not for everyone, which will be discussed later. This drug typically helps people lose 7 to 7.5 pounds when taken for a year or more. The dose of 60 milligrams three times a day is supposed to be 85% as effective as taking a higher dose of 120 milligrams three times a day. The 120 milligram dose requires a prescription and this higher dose is what was used in today's study. Speaking of today's study, let's get into it, starting with the beginning of the research paper. To introduce the research, the authors, like most scientists who write up their work, first explained why the study took place. After stating the obvious that obesity is its own global epidemic, the study authors then went into how obesity can negatively affect fertility. Research indicates that weight loss, when needed, can improve ovulation and chances of spontaneous pregnancy. The number one recommended way to lose weight is by improving diet and increasing exercise. The authors of this research were realists. They recognized that not every woman can lose weight just because someone advises her to change her diet and exercise more. Some women can and should consider using weight loss drugs to help lose weight. There isn't solid evidence yet, though, to show whether infertile and obese women would benefit from taking weight loss drugs shortly before IVF. And since there hasn't been this solid research, the authors justified their reason for doing a decently designed trial. Their hypothesis was that overweight or obese women taking Orlistat would have 10% more live births compared to their peers. And though I'm itching to share what they found, the study results are near meaningless if we don't contextualize how the trial was set up. The study took place at 19 fertility clinics in China in 2017 and 2018. They recruited women who were ages 20 to 40 and had a body mass index, aka BMI, that was 25 or greater. And if you're curious what your BMI is, there is a link to a BMI chart in the show notes. These women were planning to do IVF or intracytoplasmic sperm injection, aka ICSI, 
because either they had ovulatory issues, their partner was known to be infertile, their male partner, or their reason for infertility was unknown. Women were excluded who had done three or more unsuccessful rounds of IVF or ICSI, as were women with liver, kidney, uterine, or gut malabsorption issues. Notably, women who had low thyroid were also excluded, and this makes sense because Orlistat can decrease how well thyroid drugs work. Once enrolled in the study, the women were randomly placed into two groups, those taking Orlistat and those taking an identical-looking placebo pill. The women were also instructed to work on diet and exercise and to take a multivitamin. Taking the multivitamin was especially important because Orlistat can impede the absorption of fat-soluble vitamins in the diet. Neither the women in this study nor the folks running this study were aware of who was on Orlistat or who was on placebo. This was a double-blinded trial. Every four weeks, the women would come into clinic to tell them how it was going with the study drug. The Orlistat or placebo was taken for 4 to 12 weeks total before IVF and then fresh embryo transfer. As I read it, I cannot tell if the patients stopped taking the trial drug before they started their stim meds for IVF or if they were taking the trial drug at the same time as the stim meds. If you read it and you can tell, please tell me. Either way, it is clear that all women in the trial stopped taking the Orlistat or the placebo before the day of embryo transfer, which is important because all weight loss drugs are contraindicated during pregnancy. After embryo transfer, all women who successfully became pregnant through the IVF or ICSI were monitored with telephone check-ins with the study teams for up to six weeks after delivery. And that is the gist of the study setup. With that, let's finally get into the results. The study wound up recruiting 888 women who were split almost equally into the Orlistat and the placebo groups. The average age in the study was almost 31 years old, and the average BMI was just over 29, which meant that most women were overweight and were close to being considered obese. 13 to 14% of women had done IVF before, and the average woman had been battling infertility for three to four years. Regarding their time in the study, women participated for a median of 65 days until oocyte retrieval. While most women stuck with the study, 12% dropped out before IVF. 27 women stopped checking in and were lost to follow-up, 4 went through a divorce and quit, 20 spontaneously conceived, and 52 didn't go through with treating infertility. All the characteristics between the Orlistat and placebo groups, such as stim protocols, drug doses, the number of oocytes retrieved, embryos implanted, all of that looks similar at baseline. Regarding their original hypothesis that more births would be coming from the Orlistat group, well, that didn't happen. 25% of women gave birth in both the Orlistat and the placebo groups. Besides no difference in births, there were also no differences in conception, pregnancy, or miscarriage rates, even when these groups were broken down by age, type of fertility, etc. As expected, women in the Orlistat group lost more weight than women taking placebo. The average weight loss in the Orlistat group was 5.5 pounds, or 2.5 kilos, and the women taking placebo lost about half that amount. So it's interesting to see that placebo effect. Authors speculated that the women in the trial might not have taken Orlistat long enough for it to have more effects. 
Also, when they microanalyzed different smaller subgroups, they could not find one group that particularly benefited from taking Orlistat before IVF. Based on these disappointing results, with Orlistat helping with a bit of weight loss but not improving live birth rates, why did I bother covering this study? Well, besides the fact that there's so little reputable research on FDA-approved weight loss drugs in infertility, personally, I suspect if this trial had been executed differently, we could have seen different results. For starters, Orlistat can have some pretty icky side effects, especially in the stomach, which include abdominal pain, fatty stools, bowel urgency, and oily rectal leakage. Nearly one in five women in this study reported gastrointestinal side effects. Since it's known that the lower dose of 60 milligrams three times a day is close as effective as the 120 milligram dose, yet it's generally better tolerated in terms of those stomach side effects, I wonder if women would have been willing to stay in the study longer if they've been on that lower dose. I'm guessing the study authors chose that higher dose to maximize weight loss just before IVF, given that the women were only taking the drug for a relatively short amount of time before IVF. I also wonder if the women were feeling malnourished. Were they taking the vitamins as prescribed? What diet were they following? What other meds were they taking? These parts of the study were not standardized. One good point the authors brought up when discussing their study was that the way they set up their study, they had an 80% probability of correctly picking up if there was an improvement in live births from Orlistat. However, that means there's a 20% probability they were wrong to reject their hypothesis that Orlistat before IVF makes a difference in improving live births. That's a 1 in 5 chance the results and conclusion may not be correct, which to me says we don't have enough evidence to call this case closed. What I would like to see is a tighter version of the study that uses a different class of weight loss and also diabetes drugs called GLP-1 agonists. These GLP-1 agonists work by telling the mind that the stomach is full, which ultimately leads to less food being consumed. These drugs are unfortunately prescription-only, likely cost more than Orlistat, but they're taken either once a day or once weekly, which is way less than Orlistat, which is supposed to be taken with every fat-containing meal. And studies also show that side effects are generally more tolerable with the GLP-1 agonist instead of the Orlistat. Given that the research hasn't discerned how to optimize weight loss for infertility, it's worth hearing guidance from ASRM on weight loss drugs. It had been six years since their last publication on this, and their intent is to help the providers treating infertility. This is a direct quote. The use of weight loss medications may be considered in patients with a history of unsuccessful weight loss who meet label indications, but should be tailored to the knowledge, experience, and comfort level of the prescribing physician. Referral to a weight management provider with more experience in prescribing these medications may also be appropriate, end of quote. Basically, what ASRM is saying is that fertility providers should try to give their patients weight loss drugs under certain circumstances. To tie my parting words in with those of ASRM, I want to make sure to say that if you're a patient, there are only certain circumstances where taking weight loss drugs before IVF may be appropriate. Please do not go out on your own and try using weight loss drugs immediately before an IVF cycle. A weight loss plan really needs to be discussed with the fertility team, 
and maybe some other doctors as well to see if it makes sense for you. Since I'm looking at the time here and seeing this has been an atypically long episode, I will quickly recap. Orlistat is a drug with obvious strengths and weaknesses. Taking Orlistat was not shown to improve live births compared to placebo in overweight or obese women before IVF or ICSI and embryo transfer. Yet the study had a decent design and it attempted to answer an important question that I suspect will pave the way for future IVF trials to use better tolerated weight loss medications. That's the end of today's episode. I appreciate that you stuck with me to the end. If you wish to read more on the study yourself or look up information in any way related to the study, it's all posted in the show notes at www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in.